So this is about the story in Mark about Jesus asleep in the boat and the disciples getting really panicky because the boat was starting to sink. The storm was getting quite intense. And I want to just take you into this place of, and I need to just maybe qualify some of the, the stuff by just taking you into that, that whole atmosphere maybe. And I think I need to, to read that. So, And then I've got some practical stuff that I just want to pepper you with at the end. And so would the keyboard come up after about 20 minutes? But God bless you musicians. You can take a seat. Everyone can take a seat, in fact. I want to dedicate this to the storms of life. In Mark's gospel, the movement from one side of the lake to the other represents the Gentile mission. Today we hear of Jesus stilling the storm. And one other time, the disciples are out in the boat facing a storm and Jesus walks on the water. I'm not talking about this story. I'm talking about the story that's in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, which we'll put up in a moment. Mark remembers the stories of these miracles to teach his church that going to the other side into the world is a dangerous, unpredictable, stormy journey. What's on the other side of the lake is not just the Gentile world, but also a world that is filled with unclean spirits and unclean things. Like when Jesus cast demons out of the man and into a herd of swine or filled with people from faraway places, Decapolis. In, in Mark, the Gospel of Mark, the lake is the boundary between the Jewish church and the Gentile world. I think it also is an image of the baptism to move from the old life to a new life requires some skill, yes, but mostly faith. And so we can ask, why did Jesus and the disciples cross the big lake in the boat? And the answer to that would be to get to the other side. And because Jesus told them to. And we, we need to get this in context. So the only way to go and do the work of Jesus is to cross the lake. And that means confronting our storms. Say confronting our storms. But Jesus, praise God, has power over these storms. But to confront the storms as we see in the disciples' response tells us something. Going to sea means confronting storms we cannot control. In ancient times, the gods of the sea were often the gods of chaos and confusion that were evident. Storms rise up and create havoc and no one knows from where they come from and what to do about it. For as long as people went to sea in boats, these people there have been those who have gone and have never been seen again. There is no place on earth where human power can shrink to insignificance faster than in a storm at sea. In Mark, the storm tells us that there are storms in our lives, storms that we cannot control and that can overwhelm us. Jesus, although has power over these storms, but they still cause us to be afraid. Storms also go on within us. 
So there's storms without and storms within. The disciples shake Jesus awake and say, don't you care that we are all about to die? In the text, the fear of the disciples' experience has to do with the external things that they see, the wind howling, the waves roaring, the wind and rain, and also just staying afloat is a concern. But the fear Jesus speaks to us about is the fear inside the heart and the mind and the soul. We are anxious people who are prone to worry. Many storms in life are created by our own anxiety and worry. Jesus calms those storms and calms the inside. Let's look at this, uh, the passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 435 and let's just tease it out a bit. In Mark 435, Jesus has been preaching beside the Sea of Galilee and rounds up his teaching with personal instruction to the disciples following his usual practice of moving on to continue his gospel ministry, the team set sail for the eastern shore of the lake. Evening sailing was usually much safer, certainly that afternoon when the wind was gentle, it felt so. But the wind began to increase and pick up. On this occasion, a storm hit and the boat was about to be swamped. You can see in the scripture 38 to 39, the disciples, many of them experienced fishermen, were afraid of the severity of the storm. They woke Jesus and virtually accused him of not caring about their faith. Jesus responds by stilling the storm. He actually rebukes the storm, commanding it to be silent. This is exactly the way he treats the demonic powers. Powers have threatened Jesus and his disciples and Jesus responds by muzzling them with a word of authority. And in verse 40 to 41, having rebuked the wind, Jesus rebukes the disciples with two questions which they answer themselves in their exclamation. Who is this? They have not yet worked out who Jesus is and as a consequence are afraid and without faith. Although the crowds hear only mysteries, parables, the disciples have the secrets of the kingdom carefully explained to them. Yet at this stage, they have yet to understand that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. They do not understand that Jesus is ushering in the kingdom of God with power and authority and that no force can stand against this heavenly man and his mission. Just lift that music if you can. Even though the disciples were sailing with Jesus, and you can make some points through this, they still met a storm in the middle of the sea. Since they were with Jesus, they trusted him and expected smooth sailing. The weather was perfect and the trip was incident free. But then they met an unexpected storm. Anyone like that this week, two weeks ago, three weeks this month? today, yesterday, like the disciples who wanted peace and rest but encountered a terrible storm, we sometimes meet the storms of life though we expect smooth sailing during the journey. I want to remind you that the Christian life does not guarantee smooth sailing, successful business and triumphant living. This story shows us not only the superpower of Jesus, the Lord of creation, but also the truth that problems happen 
in every life that is in this building, including Christians. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Not only do we suffer from disasters that strike without warning, we also have difficult times with our finances, with relationships, our marriages, our family, other personal tragedies. Faced with unexpected trouble, problems and trials, or sudden tragedy, such as the loss of health, like Jill. Health, wealth. Some have lost their jobs here. Some have had hours depleted. Some have lost fortunes. Some have hit the wall and gone bankrupt. Even loved ones. We may raise the question, why? Why did this happen? Why did it happen to us? Why did God allow this kind of problem to happen to me, even though I am a Christian? Where was God to be found? Is God fair? Is God fair to let these things happen to his children? We can hear the echo of the disciples' complaint in today's scripture. Where is Jesus? How could Jesus sleep during the storm? Didn't he realize that we're all going to drown? Don't you care if we drown? Why do we have to meet storms in the middle of the sea of life? And there are many explanations for that. Ever been through a storm? I've been off the coast of Cairns with a broken mask and with eight he-men construction workers, all brave and bravado, and we're trekking out to an island. Wind was blowing hard, 36-foot catamaran. This was a sensation, wind blowing in the sails. I'd not sailed before, but then it started to get a bit hectic and the wind began started to blow and increase and the men was just leaning on the back of the stainless steel cable just looking at each other not saying many words and the and we're just pushing through these waves and we knew that this was sailing and then all of a sudden the wind picked up the wind picked up and i don't know if it was like this but just give me some wind if you could but all of a sudden the the mast snapped into the ocean and we're about seven k's off the coast and uh crack goes the mask into the drink and all the men just shrank in fear to be honest and we're wondering what to do they'd never been in this situation the winds howling the waters boiling underneath us and uh we knew we were in a situation and we realized that we were in a storm. Ever been in a storm? Ever been in a storm? You have? Put up your hand if you've been in a real storm, a life-threatening storm. Yeah. Wow. This is amazing. Who's been in a financial storm? Who's been in a, in a, in a relationship storm? Who's been in a real storm, a boat storm? A sense that a sister there was in a... Have you been in a storm, in a real storm? Yeah? Was it like this? Was it like this storm? Can you give me that storm? Turn it up, mate.
with her young child. Thanks, guys. And we went, my God, what's this young child doing on the boat? What's this young child doing here? And we'd realize, my God, we'd, we'd, we'd allowed ourselves to be in a situation where now we were compromised. But somehow we gathered ourselves up and we got our composure and we began to realize there was nothing we could do about this. In fact, we'd like to have shot off a flare like they do in the movies. But um, there were flares, but no flare gun. Uh, he'd taken the flare gun off the boat because he was worried because we'd worked inland and the boat was moored there and he was worried it was going to get stolen. So we said, someone came out and said, here's the flares. Uh, and, and the guy, the captain said, yeah, but the flare gun is in my flat back in Townsville. I went, great, okay. And then, then someone said, here's a radio we can receive. He said, yeah, but I've left the transmitter in my flat. He said, well, here's a motor. And then we couldn't believe it, but he was just about to say, I've left the, the handle to start it back on the land. And we went, who is this guy? Does anyone know him? What are we doing out here? And, and so he eventually found his crank handle. I think he swam ashore and got and came back because we were really getting our right. And uh, that's the closest I've ever been to a storm. But have you really been in a storm? Uh, you know, like I heard that someone started the new job this week and they went into that work environment and they faced the storm of people talking about them and, and, and just the whole culture of a world that loves to gang up on people. Do you know what I'm saying? You're a young person, you start a job, and this guy here you know, reckons he can make coffee. You know, gee, look at this thing. You know, you know, I mean, and, and this happened to a particular girl, unfortunately, a big wake-up call for some people when they go into the environment of the world and they're faced with bitchiness and, and mocking even when they find out you're a Christian. And storms are quite real like that. Storms in marriages are real. There's always storms in marriages. But we need to just uh, get some understanding of how to deal with the storms. And I felt, and this message comes from this storm that I had personally on the land when I had one of these key guys uh, from the council in my face, giving me the what's for, reading me the right act and saying, it must be fixed now. And he's just rattling off this list. This, 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 this. I'm going, well, you know, okay, but, you know, we'll do our best. And so... Thank you, Garth. Thank you, Dan and Nasser and Mark and others that helped us pull that together. That's fantastic. Including Pastor Phil, who got his fingernails broken and now I've become a, a turfer of grass and, and uh, a driver of a tractor. And, and it's what you've got to do in, in the middle of a storm. But storms are, are very real and storms happen to even Christians. And Jesus is trying to tell us something through this scripture that, you know, it's okay. There's never, there's never a, a story in the Bible where Jesus went down with the boat. You know, the boat can be tossed and turned, and, but you'll never go down with the boat, you know, with, with Jesus in the boat. If Jesus is in the boat, it's going to be fine. Do you know what I mean? I mean? And I'm just wondering if he had one eye open just to see how these guys were going to handle it. He just had one eye open, you know, or he just had such peace, Jesus, that he was able to sleep through this storm. 
I mean, well, what was it? But he said, he rebuked them and said, man, you could have done this yourself. You, you know I'm, I'm a prophet at least. You might know that I'm the son of God, but at least you know I'm a prophet. Why didn't you pray to the father and say, Father God, we have one of your prophets. Certainly you wouldn't let them die now. Why couldn't they pray and let him continue to sleep? But Jesus said to them, you have little faith. You could have prayed yourself. You could have prayed and you could have dealt with this situation yourself. And I think there's something out of this story that Jesus is trying to tell us. To get from one side to the other side, to get from the Jewish church into the Gentile world, into the mission, that this is a mission we're leaving here. And apparently the commentators, well, we extract out of this scripture that Jesus was already in the boat and he must have been preaching to the masses. He would do that. He would get in the boat and preach to the masses. And because he would use the water, the sound would skip over the water. Uh, sound skips over water. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and so he was already in the boat and he said, that's it, I'm done. Let's go over to the other side. This was a mission to go over into the Gentile world where it was uncertain. There was devils, there was demons. But on the way over, there was a storm that was unleashed upon the ministry of Jesus. And we need to look at how do these storms are realized? Number one, you can jot this down if you want. Storms can happen like this. In this life, we all face our share of storms. And John 16 verse 33 says, Our Lord said to John in 16 verse 33, In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Isn't that great? To know that he has overcome and I just don't know what it was, but I'm standing in this storm around my life this week. And I'm just saying, well, this is his church. This is his land. This is his project. Have I got a cop it sweet and cop a bit of storm around my life? I'm looking. I'm seeing Jesus. He might be sleeping. But man, if Jesus is even near me, I'm pretty cool. You know, if I can't feel Jesus and see Jesus, I have no faith for Jesus. But I just felt the presence of God around me. And Paul Garth and a couple of the other guys were standing around watching me cop a serve. Dan that was there and because he just, just this, you know, and, and the young guys are just going, the hair's going back like this and Pastor Phil's hair's back like this. Yeah. Yeah. And this guy, big guy and and he's just reading me the right act. And I'm just going, yeah, that's good. You know how sometimes you get phased and you get unsettled when people had a guy in the boys' home once. He wanted a phone call. I wouldn't give it to him. He was a, he was a, yeah, a very violent man, in fact. He had already killed someone. And, um, and I wouldn't give him a phone call because he wasn't a, a good boy. And... Um, and uh, everyone else would give him a phone call except me. I said, no, you haven't been good today. I'm not giving you a phone call. I'll, and he came up to me. He said, I want my phone call. And he pointed his finger in my face like this. And with eyes bulging and with the murderous spirit manifesting, he says, I want my phone call. I want it now. You will give it to me. And he really let me have it more than that. This is the censored version. <laughs> And all the d dormitory, 30 He-Man criminals, they, you know, they knew this kid. He would explode. And uh, I just stood there 
And this is where God trained me for ministry, I'm sure, in this place. I'm sure of it. I stood there and I said, I'd like to really give you a phone call under my breath. But I cannot give you a phone call. I cannot concede. I cannot capitulate. Never, never. I'll never give up. And uh, I just felt that this was a stand I needed to take in this storm. And so he, he was wanting me to come back quicker than I did. And eventually, after he stopped, he's turning his ear. He said, well, I said, you're not getting your phone call. And he just went, just the air come out of him. And he just went, he just walked away. And the lads went, wow. See the storm that Sir was just in? And they talked about it for days. They said, man, this guy's rock solid. You can't phase this guy. Because you have this propensity to be able to press a button in you. They would do this and they'd do it in life, I guess. They find out where your button is and then they press it and love to see you react. But they could never find a button in me. They just would always try and upend me one way or another. But they could never get me to react. I would always respond. Sir, Sammy's killing Bobby. I'd go, yeah? Yeah, and I'd see this broom come out from the wall every now and then. I'd say, okay, we better check that out. Eh? I'm serious, sir. He's killing him. And so every time I was able to downplay something, it, it, it created in the kid that Sir is in control. Sir is our anchor. Sir is our, 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 he, 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 if he's in the house, it's all good. And I knew I had to be consistent. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In other words, stuff is going to happen. And dealing with the world is going to bring it on in one way or another. Life itself is full of problems and trials. We do. Our, mistake, our mistakes cause much pain and death in the world. Our own sin and our own disobedience. And Joshua called the Israelites to make a decision in Joshua 24 verse 14. Now fear the Lord. He's trying to get these Israelites and God's people on side. He said things are going to go a lot better if you fear the Lord and submit to him and do it right. And so the second one is, our own mistakes can allow us to go into storms. But even in those storms, God wants to help us. Joshua called the Israelites to make a decision. And it's a decision to live a good life, a right life, in obedience, a righteous life, a holy life. That's going to thwart many storms. You, there's a lot of storms probably we don't need to go through. In financial storms, if we were, our spending was right, our saving was right, and we didn't get ourselves over our head, we'd, you know, we'd be able to not go through those storms. I mean, we'd, we'd avert those things. Now, fear the Lord, Joshua says, and serve him with faithfulness. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Hebrews 3, 7 says, Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. A warning against unbelief and rebellion, which could allow you to go into storms. Young people, listen to me. There's storms that you do not need to go through. And rebellion will take you into storms. Unbelief will take you into storms. Three, the other reason is this. When we become Christians, we enter into a cosmic spiritual battle. Satan 
is not real happy with you becoming a Christian, coming to church, serving God, giving to God, loving God, and now you have a spiritual battle around your life. And in fact, probably more so than the unsaved. This is a disclaimer. This is a, in the fine print, of course, when you get saved, that you are entering into a spiritual battle. But in the crucible of that spiritual battle, you are perfected through the trials and through all the problems and struggles. Somehow your faith is put to test. Your character is put to test. Your perseverance is put to test. And you become this God person in that. I love that. Satan hates people who believe in Jesus. Satan tests our, be, our belief like he tested Job to see if we will fail in the severe storm. Satan's limited power is pitted against believers individually and even the church. We know that. Hoping to sink us in the depths of the sea. Anyone felt like they've been tried to be sunk? Anyone really felt like in a spiritual battle he tried to sink you? I mean, we felt this in the life of the church when we first started the house. We received a torpedo, starboard bow, you know, ship goes down. This ain't right. Yeah. Wasn't like this last week. Go check, go check. I think we've received some enemy fire. And the enemy loves to attack churches. Four, the last reason we meet storms in the sea of life is that sometimes we experience suffering and trial by God's good purpose and intention. Now, don't ask me to explain all that, but most of us cry out when we meet an unexpected storm in life. But we have to know that in everything, God works for good to those that love him according to his purposes, according to Christ. When we draw upon his resources in that situation, but then when we draw upon those resources, seemingly it's then when God is perfecting his love in us, but perfecting his character in us. This story here I thought was just cute. A young boy sailing his little boat on a pond began to cry when the boat got beneath his reach. A big boy who had been watching began to throw rocks in the direction of the boat. The little boy cried all the louder until he realized that the rocks were not sinking the boat, but gently bringing it toward him. The rocks hit the water a little beyond the boat and each ripple moved it closer to shore. Most of us cry when stones are thrown our way. But if we are patient, we can realize that each trial may contain possibilities for good. Isn't that a great little story? Why did I encounter this unexpected storm? Someone went on holidays, I believe, around Christmas time and just recently. And you'd expect a holiday to be a great time of celebrating and and, uh, and these two people who I dearly love, they went on holidays and storms erupted. Why is it me that has to experience the suffering brought by the storm? What is the purpose of the storm? What does God want me to do through this storm? And how can I overcome the storm? Storms uh, are just something that we need to deal with. This daughter is telling her mother how everything is going wrong. She's failing algebra. Her boyfriend broke up with her and her best friend is moving away. Uh, meanwhile, her mother is baking a cake and asks her if she would like a snack. And the daughter says, absolutely, mom, I'd love your cake. Here, have some cooking oil, her mother offers. Yeah. Uh, no, thanks. 
How about a couple of eggs? Oh, gross. No way. Would you like some flour then? Or maybe even some baking soda? Mum, no way. To which the mother replies, yes, all these things seem bad all by themselves. But when they are put together in the right way, they make a wonderful, delicious cake. God works the same way. Many times we wonder why he would let us go through such bad and difficult times. But God knows that when he puts these things all in his order, turning all things around for good to those that love him, when he turns those things around for good, they will always work for good. We just have to trust him. We just have to trust the big picture. We just have to, that's all I can say, through every storm that we we go through, we just have to trust Jesus. As long as he is in your boat, that Jesus is in your boat, as long as he's in your boat and you're on the journey of faith, it's going to be all right. Our Lord said to, in, in, the, in the world you shall have tribulation. In John, our Lord said in John 16 verse 33, in the world you, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Our Lord brings peace in the midst of the storm. He said, these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace in the world you shall have tribulation but be of good cheer i have overcome the world i love this stuff julie wrote something in a bible of mine uh, that is now just sitting in my office and uh, it goes like this unless there is a center in the middle of a storm unless a man in the midst of all his activities preserves a secret room in his heart where he stands stands before God, then then he will lose all sense of direction and be torn to pieces. But if he finds a room, a secret room in his heart of hearts and stands in the middle of the storm, it's going to be all right. I thought this was worth quoting too. And this goes like this. Today, we live in a world of motors and engines. We used to to turning the key and just driving to things. We drive through puddles and storms all the time in our vehicles. We forget that there was once a time that the only way we got from A to B on the water was by the power of sail filled with wind or by the power of one's back pulling an oar. So we might be forgiven if we take for granted that we can go when and where we want and how we want in the time we want. But driving around in a personal vehicle be it, be it a powerboat or SUV, lulls us into thinking that getting where we want, when we want, is our right. People drown these days when they try to drive through the swamp roads because they consider the inconvenience more than they do the danger. When a storm knocks us down or threatens to overwhelm us, we can feel many things. But what really gets us into trouble is our sense of entitlement and our resentment at the inconvenience the storm brings. But sailors know the power of the storm and respect it. Sailors know, especially sailors who live by the wind and the stars and know the vastness of the sea but still go out on the water. That without wind there is no motion. I think this is a fantastic point. That without wind there is no motion. A sea without wind or the potential for storm means a voyage without motion. It means being becalmed and that its own kind which becomes its own, own kind of slow death. Why did the disciples cross the big lake in the little boat? To get to the other side. 
because Jesus told them to, because that's where the mission is. And lastly, whenever the storm arises and whenever the storm and our fears and our resentments threaten to overwhelm us, there is Jesus, the Lord of all creation. We fear and resent the storm, but we need it. And it's okay. Jesus is with us. He is calm. He can still the storm both outside and inside of us. And he never, never gives up on us. He never, never gives up on us. Never, never gives up on us. Father, we thank you that, Lord, you said in this world we'd have challenges, trials, and tribulations. But, Lord, you've overcome every struggle. You've overcome every single matter. You said in your word, Lord God, that you wouldn't let us go through anything we could not handle. I've seen people go through things that I said, my God, I could not handle that. But thank God for the Lord's word. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it.